Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. All right, welcome to another super interesting episode of Business Story of the Week. We've had a couple very interesting guests, and today's guest is no exception. So let me start out by asking you a question. What if you could predict markets, economies, important news events? Today on Business Story of the Week, we're going to introduce you to a visionary who's doing just that. Guys, meet Doug Howarth. He's an inventor, an entrepreneur, an author, and a keynote speaker. But he's more than that. He's a trailblazer who's uncovered a paradigm shift known as multidimensional economics, and I believe now he's calling it hyper-economics. Think of it like this. Just as relativity revolutionized physics, Doug's multidimensional economics add a new dimension to our understanding of value and demand. Starting with four dimensions and adding time as a fifth, there's no limit to the dimensions considered. Now, that sounds a lot like chess to me, and we can talk about that (laughs) because chess is a very different game when you go from uh, standard chess to uh, correspondence chess to timed game. It's a completely (laughs) different world. Everybody knows that. It's like watching a perpetual game of tug of war between opposing economic forces. Doug's journey began at just 14 when he realized that traditional systems fell short. Decades later, he cracked the code of how economies self-organize, leading to multidimensional economics or hypernomics. His company, Hypernomics, has worked with NASA, Lockheed Martin, Raytheon. We can go on and on because everybody wants to know what's going to happen in the future. They've even earned a patent for their groundbreaking software. Doug's brilliance shines through his 13 peer-reviewed publications across the globe. He's won all kinds of multiple awards for his peer-reviewed papers. He's recognized by organizations like NASA. He's a sought-after speaker. He's shared his insights from London to Melbourne, and today we dive into the world of multidimensional economics with the man who's reshaping how we view the markets. Man for all markets. Stay tuned for this game-changing episode. Doug, welcome to the show. Shaheen, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Love the, uh, love the vibe. Part, glad to be part of it. Thank you so much. Yeah, amazing. So let's let's dive right into it. Sure. Uh, tell me about and now it's called hypernomics. Yes. Tell me what that is for somebody who has no understanding of the uh, the difficult processes that you work with. Well, hypernomics is is simply a recognition that um, there, there are opposing forces at work. Um, one of which is demand. We've all heard about demand. Uh, demand, in, in the, the simplest terms, has a limit to it. And so one of the things that we've done to expose that, and when you talk about predicting the future, is we discovered that there was a demand limit for business aircraft. And But you were talking about time. So there was a demand limit for business aircraft in 2014 when this one company decided they were going to build a really high-priced business jet. 
and their price was beyond this demand threshold, the number that they wanted to sell. And five years later, they, they hadn't made any more sales than they, they launched with, which was 20. And so because the, this demand, what we call a frontier, was very well defined, we knew that they had a very slim chance of making their, their uh, projection of 300 units. They were at 20. We said, you're not going to make it. We got an angry reply. So, oh, we got a big order in. They didn't mention them. They were just options. And six months later, they went bankrupt, wow. which is something we predicted. This could have all been prevented with a little bit of analysis up front. I mean, they lost at least a billion dollars. And um, if you knew, if you can take the time to do the analysis, which costs a lot less than a billion dollars, you would have um, known that you shouldn't have done what they did. So at the same time, when you have this demand, the things that hold up the prices, so for example, in, a, in, in your computer that you have, you're paying for the computer that has a certain amount of screen size and a certain amount of memory and a certain battery life, and we can kind of show what that's worth and that's what so the value of this of the product and the demand are in opposition with each other and so we we compare that's, those those opposing forces that's really interesting because there's so many times i think in economies and world history well people are like we've grown 10 percent year after year so it's going to continue forever but they right. don't see their their limitations. I mean, a perfect example would have been the Rome or the Byzantine Empire. Oh, They're yeah. like, man, sure. we we've just <laughs> keep going and going, but we don't see an end. Is that a human fault? Is that like a shortcoming of being human, where when something's good, you just don't think that it's ever going to end? Well, I'm sure you're right, Shaheen. I mean, I, you see people do that all the time. They they think that you know you've, you've made it big and life will always be the same. But what 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 you see here is that you know change is constant, and so the what we do is we like to look at where something is, where, where something it was in the distance, past, distant past, the near past, and the present to predict the future. So when you take the distant past, the near past, and the present, you've got enough information that you can project it in the future. We call that economic trajectory analysis or ETA. So there's a an ETA that exists for a variety of products. Now some products like right now for electric cars they're they're on a growth path and they'll they'll continue to grow until they kind of hit a stalling point. Other products that have been in the market for a long time are, you know, go up and down all the time. So we we try to take different approaches for different markets, but what we want to be able to do is to see the smartest approach in any market at any time. That's what we're trying to aim for. And so back to your point about uh, people thinking that things are going to get better and better. And then they, I mean, we, you know, when Alexander the Great was conquering the world, the story goes, you know, when Alexander saw that he, he conquered the, the known world, he wept because there's no worlds left to conquer. Right. So it, mm -hmm. uh, it's part back to your human nature question. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so let's. I want to get into a little bit about predictive analysis and and how uh -huh. that works and and how that relates now to all that's happening with AI and mm, uh, right. natural language processing, NLPs, and that type of thing. But before we get into that, so for to have a base understanding of you and what you do, mm -hmm. you're uh, uh, economic scientist and expert 
in 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 the science of predicting economies and you've spent years perfecting an algorithm that you believe uh, can accurately predict markets, economies, anything really that you want based on this model. And that model, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm just trying to re uh, recapitulate what you were saying. Uh, mm -hmm. And that model involves unique proprietary algorithmic systems that you guys have built. It entails a time component to it. But mm -hmm. there are other components. I know you have an upcoming book coming out called yeah. the book is called Hypernomics as well, which is is there a way where the average person or a business person can engage with what you teach and with your algorithm? I know businesses can hire you, businesses like NASA, Raytheon, the governments, I mean, who wouldn't want to be able to predict the future? But is there a way that uh, a normal person or a small to medium sized business could engage with what you're doing and how? Oh, yeah, that's an easy question. Actually, there's a restaurant just down the street over here that we, uh, we, we frequent all the time. And so when COVID hit, they were, as most restaurants were, they were forced to go outside. And they had a small patio. And the patio had a, an arrangement that had a bunch of large tables in it. I think they had three tables of six and two tables of three tables of four. And so, you know, the people are still hungry during COVID. So, with the, you know, it used to be that you could always get a table at this place, or almost always. You might have to wait a few minutes. But all of a sudden, long lines started to form at this place. And uh, I looked at their arrangement, and I said, you know, most of the people that come to your place are coming in groups of one and two, not four and six. And I said, if you want to make more money, you need to replace some of the tables of six and four and put in tables of two. And so they did that and the revenue shot up 25% in two months. So yeah, there's the, the simple answer to this, that question is sure, a lot of people can use that for their own purposes. We, we use it. We have something called the Hypernomics Fund. It's not open to the public. I wanna make that clear. But we've, we've basically gone off and uh, pull in stock information and trade stocks. And, and uh, three and a half years in, we are doing 2.3 times as well as the S&P 500, from which we drew all of our stocks. So the average person could make use of the, of the software or the techniques, the analytics. Uh, Wiley, our, our publisher for the book, is going to make it a textbook. So we, we think in pretty short order, this is going to be a worldwide phenomenon. And so your, your audience here and your, is going to be among the first people to get a, a exposure to something that's going to be pretty broad spread in a pretty short amount of time. Because if you're in the business of trying to make predictions, you're going to need to be able to know this stuff pretty soon. Otherwise, you're going to be behind the curve. So, you don't Yeah, it's interesting. There. One of the things I, I, I really liked about what you were saying earlier is how time adds a whole nother dimension to yes. predictions. And we talked about this in, in the intro. I'm an avid chess player. And mm. when you play chess, chess is a game, right, of strategy, of mental thought, and all that. And most people just play regular chess. When you bring mm -hmm. in a clock and you play blitz, a five-minute game, a two-minute game, even a one-minute game, and you, and you realize really in chess, Two minutes is plenty to finish a game. Most people don't realize that, right? You, yeah. you have to think faster. But when you start thinking faster and you start 
timing the game, everything changes because you are no longer thinking of every possible move. You are now mm -hmm. have this other dimension, like you're talking about the four or five dimensions of hypernomics. Mm -hmm. You have this other dimension of time that comes in where it doesn't really matter. You don't actually have to be the better player you for in a blitz game. You just have to be good enough to not lose before your time runs out or your opponent's time runs out. So is there a, a corollary to the, to the markets? Well, I hadn't thought that question through, but yeah, certainly. Um, certain markets are more time sensitive than others. So for example, if you're in aerospace, uh, the aerospace market is measured in you know, years, if not half decades and decades. But if you're trying to make something like a cell phone, uh, that market can change in a quarter or two. I mean, there's a really good movie that came out uh, about six months ago entitled Blackberry. So Blackberry had this phenomenal, at the time, technology. I'm going to be able to get emails on my phone and send emails from my phone and create messages on my phone. Well, it was a huge innovation. And then all of a sudden, the, as we all know, the iPhone came along and there, we, we lost buttons. And I, like a lot of people, when I first saw it, I go, well, I like my buttons. And, you know, back in the movie, they liked their buttons too. But that was a huge innovation that happened in, over the course of a couple of quarters. In a couple of quarters, BlackBerry went from leading the market to starting to tumble dr dramatically. And they were out, as we know, effectively, in a few years. And so, you know, the smaller the product, the faster the turnaround, typically. And, you know, so... the. Like I've got a smartwatch on and the smartwatches are changing all the time. So you, you need to be able to be flexible enough to figure out where the next open space in the market is. So part of what hypernomics does is it plots where everybody else is in the market, getting a, a, the economic equivalent of a, of, a, of a point on a map. And then when you find all these points, you're trying to find the open space and drive your product into this, this open space. That's, that's the idea of it. Amazing. Amazing. So we're not going to go too much into the tech details. We're going to get you back on, Doug, okay. uh, for a longer, long-form episode where I want you to sure. really walk our audience through how it works and how to apply it. And, and by the way, guys, if you really want to do that, you really need to dig deep. You need to get a hold of Doug. And we'll include in the show notes his website, and I'll ask him for it before we end this episode. But from a very basic level, if I'm the average Joe, maybe I've got a small business, a medium business. Give us three things that we can do right now using hypernomics that can help us improve our business, our lives, our planet, whatever, whatever you want uh, to suggest. Okay, well, if, if you were slightly technical, what you could do is you could plot the, uh, your sales relative to the, the quantity. So uh, when I say, for example, if you're running a restaurant, I'm sorry, if you're running a restaurant, uh, you might say, you might plot how many people bought a, a dish, you know, spent 100 bucks, how many spent 40 bucks, how many spent 10 bucks. And what you would do is you get a, a slope that would describe, you know, what your response is in the market. And, you, and using that, 
you can figure out if you're going to make more money by pricing things lower or pricing things higher. Um, you could also do things like you could go out and look at a, uh, a say, for example, you're in a pub and you sell a beer. Uh, one of our favorite places has really expensive prices and they're starting to push us away from going to this one place and going off to some other places. You could compare your prices for your products to some other people's prices for their products and see if maybe your, your prices are too high. So again, to use the restaurant example, here in Southern California, there's a place called Porto's that's a very good bakery and eatery. And one of the things they're renowned for is the prices are pretty dramatically low. So their margins are really low. And that draws a whole bunch of people to them because they've got really good food at an inexpensive price. And you need to be able to figure out if you can if you're better off trying to raise your price or lower your price, and you can do an experiment by raising and lowering your prices. And then if you've got an idea for a new product, again, to use a restaurant, just try the product out and, and see what you think it ought to return, you know, how many sales you might make and how many you do make based on, on how new that product is and what the price is for it. So you could do that. We also could, you could take, use this, uh, the, this stuff to go out and buy stocks in the stock market, as, as we've said. So you could. How would you do that? that? So if I'm, I'm a person watching this interview, I'm like, this guy seems interesting and I'd like to learn more about hyper, hypernomics, but how can I use this to trade stocks? Well, you could use it the same way we use it. You could go off to a, um, a commercial trading site, you know, pick your site. Pull the data in for a group of stocks, call it the S&P 500, call it the Wilshire 5000, and then take their parameters there and then using the software and the techniques that will, using the techniques and the software that we, we have, you would pick the stocks that are undervalued. Now, it sounds pretty straightforward, but it turns out that sometimes you might have several factors that drive the prices in the stock. And, you know, large hedge funds are doing this with you know a lot of really high-end mathematicians but you can do this for yourself by just picking the parameters you think are affecting the stock seeing if you have a viable predictor for stock prices the, the, the software will tell you if it's viable or not and if it's viable and you find a stock that's underpriced you, you might find several then you say and you might do several tests too and, and see if the same stock keeps coming up as being underpriced Maybe that becomes the next stock that you buy. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think of Palantir? I'm by the way, full disclosure, I'm an investor in Palantir. I'm very excited about the company for all kinds of reasons. But are you familiar with them at all? I only only vaguely, and I think the average Joe is only vaguely uh, familiar with them because they don't <laughs> tell you what they're doing. Of course not. Uh, I think they've got some brilliant people and, and based on their, their, you know, people invest in people, not, not technology. So I think based on the people alone, they're, they're worthwhile. Yeah. You know, they're very, yeah, I know that's a worthwhile. predictive analytics play, but you know, in recent days, I think with, uh, all this, uh, fire around AI, good fire, I should say, mm -hmm. I think their, uh, their business model has been a lot more fruitful. You know, they've, they've got a lot of like government contracts, a lot of, mm -hmm. uh, defense contracts and that type of thing. So I, I get it that they don't want to say what they do exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, but it looks promising to me. So I was just wondering if yeah. you knew about that. All right, Doug, 
If people want to learn more, if people want to hire you guys, if people want to get your book, your book is out when? It comes out in January uh, 29th of next year, January 29th, 2024. Okay. It's available for pre-order, though, on Barnes and & Noble and, and Amazon and Wiley's sites right now. So, All right. So, guys, if you're interested in learning more, make sure you check out Hypernomics on all of those sites. Is it on Amazon? Can, can we get it on? Uh, yeah, uh, it's on Amazon. Pre-order yeah. on Amazon? Yeah, if, you go, Doug, if you go to Amazon, type in Doug Howarth, it'll pop up, so. I'm gonna predict that 99% of people are gonna be pre-ordering it on Amazon <laughs> when, it's, uh, when it's about to be released. Right. And how do people engage with you and get a hold of you? Well, my email is uh, D, the first initial, and then Howarth, H-O-W-A-R-T-H at hypernomics.com. So that's H-Y-P-E-R-N-O-M-I-C-S.com. Okay, guys, and make sure you check out uh, Doug's work at uh, Search Hypernomics. Make sure to check out his website, D-O-U-G-H-O-W-A-R-T-H.com, hey. or just go to hypernomics.com, spelled H-Y-P-E-R, nomics.com. Doug, if you can take us out with any words of wisdom, what would it be? Well, I, I would say that uh, problems are often more complex than some people would let you lead you to believe. You know, I, I'm showing you some of the complexities. Uh, if you examine these things, your, your life will be better off because you'll understand more of what can happen. So, Take the time to research your problems thoroughly and you'll have fewer problems. Mm. Know yourself, right? One of the great things. Know yourself, know your market, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the Temple of Delphi. All right, great, great. Doug, it's been an honor having you on. Can we get you on <laughs> for a longer form interview to really- Oh, I'd love really to, Shitney. That would be fabulous. I'd appreciate that, yes. All right, because I think our audience right. understands that academic things, real science takes time. It's not like what you see on TV. It's always funny because I always look at uh, TV and they're doing some super complicated thing and all of a sudden a graphic interface shows up and it's like the matrix on the screen. And I'm like, mm -hmm. does everybody realize that's not how it works? That's not how it works. These guys are probably looking at spreadsheets. But um, in any event, honor to have you on, Doug. We'll look forward to Thank having you, you so on much. the next episode. Economics textbook. At the, at the introductory level is wrong. They all teach you hypothetical supply and demand. The real world is actual value and demand. And the whole world will change in six to 12 months when my book comes out and explains how that works. All right, so here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.